Good morning. Our passage of scripture this morning is in John chapter 16. If you're using the Bibles in the pew in front of you, you can find it on page 902. Page 902. Here from John chapter 16, the first 15 verses. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they've not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. This is a significant day in the uh, liturgical calendar of the church. If you follow along at any, in any way, you know that today is very significant. It is, some would say, as significant as Easter Sunday as today is the ascension of Jesus that we recognize. Yeah, where he leaves his disciples the moment he speaks about in John 16 and goes and is seated at the right hand of the Father and is crowned in glory and honor forever. And so as we look at John 16, I think it is significant to view it in light of what is to come because what is about to be said to the disciples is, is, dark, is darkness. What's to be shared with them is a hard conversation. It makes me, um, it makes me be reminded of about nine years ago when we told my parents we were moving to Kansas City. And it was a really hard conversation. They did not want us to leave William, who was, you know, was 10 months old. And they had their first grandbaby. And I will never forget, um, it was a late night and we're sitting in their house and we're just sitting in the floor and they knew like, oh man, what's coming? Um, and we just sat on the floor and we all just kind of watched William crawl around and then finally um, had to drop the news like, hey, like, I know this is gonna be hard, but we're moving uh, to Kansas City. It just came to me, that moment came to me as we were singing because I think like the moment of the, the heaviness and the weight of that moment um, for Jesus is present in this text where he is saying to his disciples very clearly for the first time, hey, I've been telling you that I'm leaving you. I'm going to die. 
I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you and that's gonna be okay. And if you were here last week, like the world is not gonna treat you very well. They're gonna treat you. They're gonna hate you like they hated me. And it will be better somehow because the spirit is coming. It's like very clearly for the first time, Jesus is telling his disciples, this may be our last moments together. These may be our last moments together as we sit um, in this place at this dinner. It's a hard conversation, but it's full of hope. It's full of promise. And there's a piece of it where I feel so encouraged as I have read it and read it that I think today, if we could have anything from this text, we would see that Jesus is telling his disciples in the midst of all the suffering that is to come, in the midst of all the pain and hardship and and things that are gonna come up in the future, do not forget that the mission that I have called you to, and and he's very clear in this passage what the mission is. The mission that I've called you to is more important than anything else in the world. It's more important than anything else you will ever do in the world. Despite of all the stuff that's about to happen, do not forget that the mission I have called you to is the most important thing. And in order to accomplish this mission, you're gonna need some supernatural help. You're gonna need a lot of help. I can just imagine the disciples, as we all do when we experience bad news, they, they hear it. And as we will see in the text, they have a very inward selfish response. Suffering is coming. The world is going to hate you. You're probably going to be persecuted. And they're like, um, Jesus, what does this mean? Like they're starting to struggle and figure that out. And how is this going to affect me? But what Jesus does is he rightly takes their vision off of themselves and gets them laser focused on the mission that he has called them to. It doesn't, he doesn't like squash their insecurity and fear in a way that's like, it's not significant, but I'm telling you that the mission that you are called to is more important. And all of the pain you experience here is pointing to a, f- a future glory, a future glory. He's trying to point them to that. And so in this text, those two things are the things that um, we need to look for, that the mission of God that he's calling us to is more important than anything else in the world which is to live in this world as gospel sharers while bearing the fruit of the gospel in our own lives. As we heard from Howard and we heard from Orion in the last few weeks on John and, the, and on the Jesus and the vine. And secondly, in order to accomplish this mission, we cannot do it alone. It will seem impossible. We will need supernatural help. So as we open John 16, let's pray together and let the Lord do what he will. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its goodness. Thank you for giving it to us. That every week, let's not take for granted that we can open the very word of God and be transformed by it. You didn't leave us and abandon us when we deserved it, but you gave us everything. And so God, as we read your word, do something significant this morning. Whereas we feel in the times of suffering that we're in, may be helpless and hopeless, God, show us that the mission that you have for us is still the same mission and it's still just as important. Lord, let us be changed forever. And it's in your name, amen. My name is Will Turner. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you would, as a side note, be praying. Uh, Pastor Orion is preaching at a sister church in Lawrence and he'll be traveling back this afternoon. And then Pastor Trevor was out in the elements this weekend and is not doing well. He's, he's pretty sick. Uh, so pray that he would recover and heal and that we would have uh, our other pastors back with us in the coming weeks. Um, 
John 16, we've been preaching through John for several weeks now, and even in the most recent weeks, the very last night of Jesus' life. You're like, one night, we've been in like three chapters now, and, and I can tell you this isn't it. We've got a little bit more uh, in this last night where Jesus is telling his disciples the most important things before he goes to Calvary, before he goes to the cross. And so I want us to jump right in. But before we do that, I think I want to go back just a hair into 15 and give you that last little bit before he leads in. In John 15, verse 26, Jesus tells them, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus, right away, before he gets into these, why he's telling them these things, why he's given them all these parables, why he's like, I am the vine, I am the way. Before, the reason he does all of that, he's gonna reveal in a second, but before he does that, he wants to remind them that the helper is coming and that they will be able to functionally witness and do greater things than they could ever imagine because of that reality. He's reassuring them of that. Hey, I'm gonna have to say some hard things. The helper is coming. Don't forget that. For, uh, chapter 16, verse one. I have said all of, this, all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering services to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me, verse four, but I say these things to you that when their hour comes, you, rem you will remember that I told them to you. Jesus' number one reason that he reveals uh, in this text of why he's been telling them all of this is that they would not abandon the mission. Do not fall away. I know it's gonna be hard. I know it's gonna be really painful. And I know everyone around you is gonna turn their back on you. Jesus of all people knows what that feels like more than anyone. Judas literally just walked out of the room, right? They will abandon you. Do not abandon the mission. Apostasy is his number one concern here. Do not fall away. I'm telling you all of this. Remain in me as I in you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm telling you all of this, that the helper is coming so that you would not fall away. Don't fall away. He says that there's a time coming and man, if this doesn't like ring true to you, like I don't know what will. There's a time coming when the world will cast you out. They will throw you to the streets and they believe it will be a righteous act of God to throw you out. How ironic is that? That they are preaching the good news of the gospel and there will be a day when the world throws them on the streets and they will believe it is a good and righteous thing. Hey, Orion talked last week, that day is here. It's here. Every day you are at risk of being thrown out onto the streets of society and of whatever social media because of what you stand for. The day is here. And people that do that believe that they are doing the righteous thing, the good thing, the will of God, if they believe in God. That day is coming and that day is here. He's warning his disciples and he's declaring it <laughs> that it's true until he comes back to restore Eden to this earth. That will be the reality. This world is not for you. You heard it from Jesus first. And so when the arrows of cancellation, the claims of bigotry, and potentially even persecution fall on all of us, we should not be surprised. And yet we should have hope because Jesus called that shot. He did. He called the shot. He's telling us today in the midst of that though, that the mission is greater than the momentary suffering we will face. It is greater.
He goes on and he says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now, once again, he's telling him he's leaving. I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He's looking at his disciples. He's sharing these hard realities and he's seeing the terror, the fear, the anxiety overcome them as it would any of us. We've been walking around with a guy that's just handing out miracles, right? Like he's feeding people, walking on water. And he's like, I gotta go. You're gonna do this on your own. And it's like, hey, we're pretty dumb, like sheep. And you're not gonna leave, right? Like you can't do this. And he's like, no, I'm leaving. And it's gonna be bad. Like it's gonna be really bad. And I'm gonna leave. And sorrow has filled their heart. Jesus recognizes they aren't in a good state. Any of us would be in that same place. And it seems like he's rebuking them a little bit. Like, guys, all you're worried about is like this departure of, for, of us for a while. I love what one commentator he says here. He says, why does Jesus rebuke them on an evening when they're already grieving? The reason is not because their grief over his departure is wrong. The reason is because their grief is insignificant compared to what's taking place the very next day. Jesus is not demeaning their concern for the future. He's lifting their eyes to look beyond their circumstances to something much greater. He says what happens on the cross the following day is more important than their health and their safety. It's bigger than them. Jesus teaches his disciples to live for something bigger. The mission he gives them as his witnesses is far bigger than their hopes, than their dreams. The mission is worth giving up conveniences and comforts like safety, like security, like stability to invest in something eternally profitable. He says, what a tragedy to find that what you've invested your time, energy, money, influence, and abilities in is gone long before you are. But Jesus is calling us to invest everything into something bigger than ourselves his service. He's calling all of us. Notice it doesn't say all of the pain that I've experienced is insignificant and we shouldn't even think about it. That's not what he's saying. We shouldn't look at the suffering that we experience in this life and say, yeah, it doesn't matter because the mission's greater. What he's saying is don't lose heart. All of it that you've gone through is not meaningless. It's pointing towards something better. It's pointing towards glory. All of this momentary pain, Paul got this better than anyone. The momentary afflictions that we suffer is pointing to an eternal weight of glory. It will not be worth comparing the glory that will be revealed to us one day. This is not meaningless suffering. It is pointing to something better. All of us are about to die and I'm telling you that it's good. That's crazy, right? It's backwards, but it's amazing. Jesus is leaving him in a tough space. He's saying, you're gonna have to carry all of this, all of the things that we've been carrying and you've been leaning on me for, you're about to carry this on your own. And somehow it's better for the mission that I'm not here. And they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I could see them even as a fleshly person, like wanting to walk out the door like Judas and just be like, man, I, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that, you know, you're saying I'm supposed to do this, but I, I can't. I was literally catching fish three years ago and that's pretty much all I know how to do. And you're telling me to go spread the mission of the good news of the gospel all around the world, acting like a rabbi when I'm just a dude. That's pretty terrifying. They could be tempted to walk out the door. I probably would be. And he's actually asking them to do something impossible. That's what's so amazing. He's like, I, I know that this is not gonna work without something else. 
Jesus, I can never do this because I'm not gifted. Jesus, I can never do this because I don't have time. Jesus, I can't do this because I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to do this because I could be canceled or lose friends. What if they try and hurt me and my family? What if, what if? Like Jesus knows that this is an impossible task. And then he follows up with some good news for you. He says, nevertheless, verse seven, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, capital H, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus knows that to accomplish his mission on earth, using the broken human race, he has to first cure the human race. He has to. He knows that his death and resurrection will break the curse. It will make his followers living temples, not a temple that has a place, but living, moving temples. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that, that hosts the very Holy Spirit that will give them everything they need to accomplish the mission of God to spreading the gospel in the world. He knows all of this. By the way, in this context, this is the primary reason the Holy Spirit comes to us. Yes, he comforts us. Yes, he gives us knowledge and all of the things that we get mutually benefited from. But the number one reason the Holy Spirit came is to help us accomplish the mission of God. It's to accomplish God's mission on earth. Matt Carter, pastor Matt Carter says, the Holy Spirit wasn't sent to us to assure us lives of comfort and ease. The spirit doesn't live in us so that we can rest comfortably in our easy chairs doing nothing for the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit comes to us, disciples of Jesus, to empower us for a mission that cannot be accomplished apart from his supernatural help. And then Jesus briefly outlines for the rest of eternity until I make all things new, this is how the spirit is going to help you accomplish this mission. He says, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he's going to do a couple things. First, he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus is saying in this text that we should be confident in our mission to share the gospel. Because it's not dependent on how well we speak or how well we talk or how well we do it. We could actually fumble this pretty badly. And the spirit of the living God is going before us and convicting hearts of those so that when we preach the gospel, we can be confident that God is going to do the transforming work. He's going before us. So when I preach, even in this morning, I don't have to worry about being effective. Yes, I want to try to do a good job, right? I want to honor God with my service to him in this way. But I know that my communication does not determine your heart's transformation. I know that. It is the spirit who is going before me and softening and breaking hearts, convicting the world of sin before me. So that when I preach the gospel, I know that the Holy Spirit is actually telling people, oh, that stuff that he's talking about, you're guilty of that. You're the sinner. He's preparing them so that when I come and deliver the good news of, hey, you are a sinner. And that's not the end of the story. They have hope. 
That's the Holy Spirit empowering you and going before you to do the work. So that when you're in your workplace and you're out in the community and you're sitting at a coffee shop or wherever you are and talking about someone about Jesus, you don't have to worry about fumbling. Yes, you should try to do a good job. Yes, you should read your Bible and study theology and get things right, absolutely. But it is not dependent on your ability to communicate to save someone. It is not. So have freedom as you go in the world on his mission that the Holy Spirit is in you and he's going before you to, say, to, to convict the world of sin. He's going before you. We should have confidence. But also it's not just sin. He also is convicting righteousness and the judge. What a weird thing to say. Remember though, he's not talking about the righteousness that comes from God. He's talking about the man-made righteousness portrayed by the religious leaders of the time that they've been walking around in all this. So it's like, yes, the, the obvious sinners will be convicted and those that think they've got all their stuff together will be convicted as well. And the ruler of this world, Satan himself, this is the moment he will be judged. Like he's, he's pointing us all towards this moment, right? The spirit will break all of that down. He's coming to break down those walls as we sang about earlier. Go tell the world about me because the spirit is breaking their sinful hearts already and I will lead them towards repentance. It's not smooth words or charismatic voices or perfect technique. It's the spirit of the living God paving the way for you. You know you're a sinner this morning because the sinner made you see it, because the spirit made you see it. You know that you're a sinner because the spirit of God made you see it first. You would choose death and hell. We all once did. But thanks be to God, the spirit broke our hearts because of our sin and empowered someone to share the good news of the gospel with us. And God said, that's the hope that you need. That's the hope that you need. I love this quote. Everything good that's happened for Christianity is a result of the Holy Spirit. Everything that has ever happened in the world that is good for Christianity is a result of the Holy Spirit. And I do want to challenge you, if you're, if you're sitting there today and you're like, man, I've, I've not seen the Spirit do much, maybe it's because you're doing things only you can accomplish and you're not doing things that you need the Spirit for. Without the Spirit's help, you can love people who are just like you. Without the Spirit's help, you can give an hour and a half a week to sit in a service. Without the Spirit's help, you can attend a Sunday seminar or a community group. Without the Spirit's help, you can put money in an offering plate. And without the Spirit's help, you can talk about the gospel with other Christians. Without the Spirit's help, you can do all of those things. And maybe if you're like, I have not seen the Spirit do much, it's because that's what you're living. You're living in a really comfortable, easy way. And, and the Spirit's like, do you even need me? He would never say that to you. But you know what you can't do without the Spirit's help? You can't love someone who's antagonistic to you and your family. You can't. I wouldn't. We all know how each one of us would respond to that, right? Without the Spirit's help, you can't be on call for someone 24-7 for their need. Without the Spirit's help, you can't meet weekly with a brother or sister to bear one another's burdens, heavy burdens, right? We know what we bear together. It's hard. We couldn't do it. Without the Spirit's help, you couldn't give your hard-earned money when there's not much left. Without the Spirit's help, you couldn't plead with your unbelieving friends and neighbors to repent and believe. Without the Spirit's help, you can't move your family around the world for the sake of the gospel. You just wouldn't do it. We need him. We need the Spirit. We need the helper. And I promise, as Jesus promised, it's better. It's better. Be confident 
The God himself is in you. If you follow him, he is in you and he is with you. And when you share the gospel, it will be effective whether you know it or not in the immediate future. It will be effective. Not because you're good at it, but because the spirit's gone before you. All of that would have put the disciples in a place of like, what? <laughs> like, what are you saying? Like the spirit's coming and he's gonna convict people of sin. What are you talking about? And Jesus actually doesn't even give them answers as he often doesn't, right? How's this gonna roll out Jesus? And instead of giving him answers, he points them once again to the helper. Hey, listen, I, I know you have questions, but verse 12, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. You can't bear them now, but... When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is the second thing the spirit does. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I love the Trinitarian link here. It's the way that the Trinity is functionally working. God is declaring from the throne of heaven and the spirit is communicating to you. That's how he's helping you. He's like, hey, listen, disciples, you're gonna have a lot of questions and you're probably not gonna get this stuff straight. The spirit will give you the truth that you need. They give you the truth that you need. I've got stuff to say to you here, Jesus says, but you're not ready for it. Your hearts aren't ready, but when my spirit comes, it will be revealed to you and you will understand. It's the second way that the spirit helps us. It prepares the way and empowers our sharing of the gospel by convicting hearts, but it also reveals truth to those in which he lives. Some of the disciples would be divinely inspired by this truth to begin writing down the words of God on high that we read today. This is what Jesus is saying. The spirit will come to reveal truth. It's why we have the New Testament because Jesus is saying the spirit will come and divinely inspire those to write the New Testament. And that's why we have it. When we read the word of God, we receive truth from the Holy Spirit. And I wanna say that again, because this is not just a book that you pick up and like, oh, this made me feel better this morning. And I can post a picture of it with my coffee. Like this is the divine inspired word of God. This is the means in which the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. He will not reveal truth to you that goes outside the bounds of God's very word. The word of God given to you is the way in which the spirit reveals truth to you. That is one of the greatest ways that he can help you this morning. And so if you're wandering around saying, I don't know what God wants in my life. I'm just gonna do in my thing. Have you read your Bible? It's in here. And he's got a lot of wonderful things to say. We just stay here all day talking about them. Just kidding. So if you want to be led by the spirit this morning, be in your Bibles and truth will be revealed to you. Be in prayer. Truth will be revealed to you. My prayer this morning, it is as the gospel is declared that if you are truly hearing it for the first time, that the Holy Spirit would actually awaken your heart right now. That he would do the things that he's talked about in this text, that he would go before me as I declare the good news that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died, and then he didn't stay dead, but was resurrected. And it did it so that you could be a part of all of this. So that you could be in his family, that you could share the good news, that you wouldn't choose death no more. Man, that's good news. My, my prayer is that the spirit would even be moving now, that you would see that for the very first time. 
And those of us that are believers in the room that maybe have been struggling with confidence to share the gospel or confidence to even talk about God or confidence to make a stance on anything in this world, be confident that the spirit of God is not absent from this place. He's not absent in your workplace. He's not absent in your relationships and your neighborhoods and your conversations with people. He's not absent, but he's in you and he's with you and he's going before you convicting hearts and revealing truth to you. When I hear that, I think, man, I think I could do this. I think I could do this. Imagine the 12 disciples for a moment. This is a significant Sunday, remember? Ascension Sunday, Jesus said, go and share the good news of the gospel with everyone, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Spirit that hasn't come yet, but Jesus is right here saying, he's coming. Up to this point in history, before the Spirit would come, it only would come down for a minute, right? We see this all throughout the Old Testament. We talked about this uh, in, in former uh, sermon series. Like, he would come and he would be a part of something for a moment, but because, like, holiness wasn't a thing yet for individuals, uh, brokenness in humans, it didn't stay. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection made you clean enough for the Spirit to dwell in forever. That's why 1 Corinthians says we're temples, because Jesus made it that way. So now the spirit doesn't just come for a moment and then bounce, like he is coming, resting and dwelling in you until you go to be with Jesus forever. That's great news. And I can just imagine for a moment as the disciples, these mundane, busted up goofballs, right? They're just a bunch of goofballs. Fishermen, tax collectors, some are smart, some are dumb, whatever. They're anxious, they're worried. I can't wait a few chapters from now in just the book of Acts, when this bunch of goofballs all of a sudden gets empowered by the Holy Spirit. They understand what Jesus is saying right here because the Spirit gave them truth. And then they went out from that place, they preached the gospel, and we are sitting here today because they did that. That's incredible. 12 ordinary guys went out empowered by the Spirit that went before them, convicted hearts. You wanna talk about greater things? It was 12 guys. Within a few chapters, it's thousands. Not because their message was great or the way that they communicated it was great, but because what it, it was empowered by the Holy Spirit and all the truth had been revealed. Man, and if you don't believe as a Christian today that that's true of you, you've not read your Bible. You've not read your Bible. As a Christian, we should leave these doors with confidence that the Holy Spirit is going before you. So when you go to your parties and your, and your work and all of those places, go with confidence that I can have a conversation and if whatever my employee thinks about me, it's okay, it's okay. I'm praying as I go that the Holy Spirit is going before me and convicting hearts so that when I share the good news of the gospel, people are changed forever. That's the prayer. And then if you're like, man, I don't know what to say, pick it up, read it, understand. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the truth from God in these pages. This is not just a book to make us feel better. Awaken hearts. For those of you who believe, my prayer is that the Spirit would shake your bones to do that this morning. Not just want to do it, or not just to have the ability to do it, but actually want the fire to go out and do this work, to fulfill the mission of God. I know you can have a bunch of anxieties. I know that you can have a bunch of fear. I know that there's hesitation and I understand them and I have embodied all of them at one point or another. I get it. I know that it's hard to share the gospel. I know it's hard to make a stance. I know it's hard to do anything in this world right now with getting darts thrown at you. I know. And my prayers that the spirit would, sh would show you that he's got this. 
You may be persecuted. You may be canceled. And Jesus is saying, I promise that the momentary suffering will not be meaningless. It is pointing to something greater and your suffering is, it pales in comparison to the mission that we have because the mission of God doesn't just talk about life and death on this earth. It talks about eternal life and eternal suffering. And so, yeah, your body may die because of what you preach, what you share. You may be harmed emotionally, physically for what you share. And Jesus is saying, your death on this earth isn't the end of your story. It isn't the end of your story. So be confident. He's called you to this mission. And as we celebrate Ascension Sunday, when Jesus went to be with the Father, his last message was to fulfill this mission. Acts 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. It's like, hey, you're not gonna figure that out. Verse eight though, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and he was crowned with glory and honor and power and all of that as he reigns forever is for you and for me to fulfill his mission until the king returns until he returns and he brings his bride home and he makes us clean and he, he makes all things new. That's the hope that drives us to fulfill the mission. The hope of heaven that Jesus pointed them to a few weeks ago. I'm preparing a place for you. And until you get to go to that place, fulfill this mission. I'll see you in a little bit. That's what he says. And he goes and he ascends to be with God forever. So believers have confidence that the spirit is in you. Have confidence that he's going before you. Have confidence in the truth that he will reveal to you through his word and go and do his mission. I love it. Keep talking in your discipleship groups and your community groups and your, your friendships. Keep talking about what God is doing and then go do it. Go do the work that he is calling you to do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for being clear with us on what we're here to do. Thank you for showing us the way to the way. So if there's those in this room this morning that have never even understood, or maybe for the first time they are hearing the good news of the gospel, my prayer is that the spirit would be moving right now, breaking their heart and revealing truth to them, that they are sinners that they are broken like all of us were. And that our brokenness would lead to death and that would, not, that would be the end of our story. But, but, but there is hope that it doesn't have to be because of what Jesus did for us, that he died and was resurrected. So God, convict hearts this morning as you do and empower believers with confidence this morning. Not confidence in their own abilities, but confidence in the God who slayed giants, the God who formed this world with a word. Give us that confidence as we go and fulfill your mission this morning. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.